Section thirty seven of the Red and the Black, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Red and the Black, Volume two by Stendhal. Translated by Horace B. Samuel. Chapter sixty seven. A Turret. The Tomb of a Friend. Stern. He heard a loud noise in the corridor. It was not the time when the jailer usually came up to his prison. The osprey flew away with a shriek. The door opened, and the venerable curé Shellen threw himself into his arms. He was trembling all over and had his stick in his hands. Great God! Is it possible, my child? I ought to say monster. The good old man could not add a single word. Julian was afraid he would fall down. He was obliged to lead him to a chair. The hand of time lay heavy on this man who had once been so active. He seemed to Julian the mere shadow of his former self. When he had regained his breath, he said, It was only the day before yesterday that I received your letter from Strasbourg with your five hundred francs for the poor of Varriere. They brought it to me in the mountains at Liveroux, where I am living in retirement with my nephew Jean. Yesterday I learned of the catastrophe. Heavens, is it possible? And the old man left off weeping. He did not seem to have any ideas left, but added mechanically, You will have need of your five hundred francs. I will bring them back to you. I need to see you, my father, exclaimed Julian, really touched. I have money, anyway. But he could not obtain any coherent answer. From time to time, M. Chelan shed some tears which coursed silently down his cheeks. He then looked at Julian and was quite dazed when he saw him kiss his hands and carry them to his lips. That face which had once been so vivid, and which had once portrayed with such vigour the most noble emotions, was now sunk in a perpetual apathy. A kind of peasant came soon to fetch the old man. "'You must not fatigue him,' he said to Julian, who understood that he was the nephew. This visit left Julian plunged in a cruel unhappiness which found no vent in tears. Everything seemed to him gloomy and disconsolate. He felt his heart frozen in his bosom. This moment was the cruelest which he had experienced since the crime. He had just seen death and seen it in all its ugliness. All his illusions about greatness of soul and nobility of character had been dissipated like a cloud before the hurricane. This awful plight lasted several hours. After moral poisoning, physical remedies and champagne are necessary. Julian would have considered himself a coward to have resorted to them. What a fool I am, he exclaimed towards the end of the horrible day that he had spent entirely in walking up and down his narrow turret. It's only, if I had been going to die like anybody else, that the sight of that poor old man would have had any right to have thrown me into this awful fit of sadness. But a rapid death in the flower of my age simply puts me beyond the reach of such awful senility. In spite of all his argumentation, Julian felt as touched as any weak-minded person would have been, and consequently felt unhappy as the result of the visit. He no longer had any element of rugged greatness or any Roman virtue. Death appeared to him at a great height, and seemed a less easy proposition. "'This is what I shall take for my thermometer,' he said to himself. Tonight I am ten degrees below the courage requisite for guillotine point level. I had that courage this morning. Anyway, 
what does it matter so long as it comes back to me at the necessary moment this thermometer idea amused him and finally managed to distract him when he woke up the next day he was ashamed of the previous day my happiness and peace of mind are at stake he almost made up his mind to write to the procurer-general to request that no one should be admitted to see him and how about fouquet he thought if he takes it upon himself to come to besancon his grief will be immense it had perhaps been two months since he had given fouquet a thought i was a great fool at strasbourg my thoughts did not go beyond my coat collar he was much engrossed by the memory of fouquet which left him more and more touched he walked nervously about here i am clearly twenty degrees below death point if this weakness increases it will be better for me to kill myself what joy for the abbe maslon and the valenods if i die like an usher fouquet arrived the good simple man was distracted by grief his one idea so far as he had any at all was to sell all he possessed in order to bribe the jailer and secure julien's escape he talked to him at length of monsieur de lavalette's escape you pain me julien said to him monsieur de lavalette was innocent i am guilty though you did not mean to you made me think of the difference but is it true what were you going to sell all you possessed said julien suddenly becoming mistrustful and observant fouquet was delighted at seeing his friend answer his obsessing idea and detailed at length and within a hundred francs what he would get for each of his properties what a sublime effort for a small country landowner thought julien he is ready to sacrifice for me the fruits of all the economies and all the little semi-swindling tricks which i used to be ashamed of when i saw him practise them none of the handsome young people whom i saw in the hotel de la mort and who read rene would have any of his ridiculous weaknesses but except those who are very young and who have also inherited riches and are ignorant of the value of money which of all those handsome parisians would be capable of such a sacrifice all fouquet's mistakes in french and all his common gestures seemed to disappear he threw himself into his arms never have the provinces in comparison with paris received so fine a tribute fouquet was so delighted with the momentary enthusiasm which he read in his friend's eyes that he took it for consent to the flight this view of the sublime recalled to julien all the strength that the apparition of m chelan had made him lose he was still very young but in my view he was a fine specimen instead of his character passing from tenderness to cunning as is the case with the majority of men age would have given him that kindness of heart which is easily melted but what avail these vain prophecies the interrogations became more frequent in spite of all the efforts of julien who always endeavoured by his answers to shorten the whole matter i killed or at any rate i wished to occasion death and i did so with premeditation he would repeat every day but the judge was a pedant above everything julien's confessions had no effect in curtailing the interrogations the judge's conceit was wounded julien did not know that they had wanted to transfer him into an awful cell and that it was only thanks to fouquet's effort that he was allowed to keep his pretty room at the top of a hundred and eighty steps monsieur the abbe de Frilair was one of the important customers who entrusted fouquet with the purveying of their firewood the good tradesmen managed to reach the all-powerful grand vicar 
Monsieur de Frilair informed him, to his unspeakable delight, that he was so touched by Julien's good qualities, and by the services which he had formerly rendered to the seminary, that he intended to recommend him to the judges. Fouquet thought he saw a hope of saving his friend, and as he went out, bowing down to the ground, requested Monsieur the Grand Vicar to distribute a sum of ten louis in masses to entreat the acquittal of the accused. Fouquet was making a strange mistake. Monsieur de Flirel was very far from being a Valenod. He refused and even tried to make the good peasant understand that he would do better to keep his money. Seeing that it was impossible to be clear without being indiscreet, he advised him to give the sum as alms for the use of the poor prisoners, who, in point of fact, were destitute of everything. This Julian is a singular person. His action is unintelligible, thought Monsieur de Frilair, and I ought to find nothing unintelligible. Perhaps it will be possible to make a martyr of him. In any case, I shall get to the bottom of the matter, and shall perhaps find an opportunity of putting fear into the heart of that Madame de Renal, who has no respect for us, and at the bottom detests me. Perhaps I might be able to utilize all this as a means of a brilliant reconciliation with Monsieur de la Mole, who has a weakness for the little seminarist. The settlement of the lawsuit had been signed some weeks previously and the abbe pirard had left besancon after having duly mentioned julien's mysterious birth on the very day when the unhappy man tried to assassinate madame de renal in the church of verrieres there was only one disagreeable event between himself and his death which julien anticipated he consulted fouquet concerning his idea of writing to monsieur the procureur-general asking to be exempt from all visits this horror at the sight of a father above all at a moment like this deeply shocked the honest middle-class heart of the wood merchant he thought he understood why so many people had a passionate hatred for his friend he concealed his feelings out of respect for misfortune in any case he answered coldly such an order for privacy would not be applied to your father End of chapter sixty seven